Hello, and welcome to the Back Check, the Hockey History Podcast, where we discuss the Hall of Fame cases of various NHL players. Um, this episode is about wingers who, at least in the case of two of them anyway, like to uh, uh, get some penalty minutes as well, one, one of whom was nicknamed, I believe, the Little Ball of Hate, if I'm not mistaken. Um <laughs> So uh, we're we're actually going to deviate slightly from our formula. Normally, on one of these episodes, we talk about one eligible player, one recently inducted player, and one old timer. And for whatever reason, we decided to talk about one inducted player and two eligible players uh, because there's I don't know. I didn't actually ever see much of Dino Cicerelli, but I feel like they're all vaguely similar guys, even though they're probably not. Um, so we're going to start off actually with an eligible uh, inducted player who's Dino Cesarelli. And then uh, we're going to talk about Theo Fleury and Pat Verbeek, both of whom are eligible at the moment. So, yeah, and those two guys are really similar. I, I don't yeah. know if you could put Dino in that category. He's got I, – I remember little bits of his career, um, but not big, big, big chunks. Like just yeah. little snippets of like, oh, yeah, Dino Cesarelli, that guy is pretty good, like – always like heard his name, but I didn't, you know, back in those days, you didn't, you weren't able to watch a lot of games other than what was in your market. So unless his team was coming to town, you didn't necessarily see him, but you remember hearing the name quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, he did, he had sandpaper to him too. Oh yeah. So I guess I feel like if there's anything connecting these three guys, it's that they were all somewhat, relatively short for hockey players though i think cicerelli might have been taller than the other two i think he they're was. all they're all wingers and they all racked up a fair amount of penalty minutes like you know cicerelli's got 1200 oh yeah um, he, was a, he was a he didn't back down was it 1200 1400 my my apologies 1400 so yeah um so so there's that's our loose theme for this episode is like small guys who got annoyed who were annoying and scored a bunch of goals so, um, as we uh, as we have alluded to, I've alluded to many, many times. I've been waiting for this day um, because, infamously, it for me anyway, the the Hall of Fame chose to one year induct Dino by himself. They're not entirely true because they also chose that year to induct two women, but there was only one and it male. Was the first time they inducted women, yes. right? Yes, and so some people have argued that the reason they inducted one player was. They were trying not to shine a light, uh, take the light away from the women, but of course that doesn't make any sense because they picked this guy, who, as we will discuss, <laughs> maybe he belongs, maybe he doesn't, but he's not like Eric Lindros or somebody, right? Like there were eligible players. I'm, I'm pretty sure Burry was eligible at the time too. Like there were multiple yeah. eligible players who were available, who were not inducted when he was inducted by himself, and twenty. Um, I believe it was 2010. Um, I'm just going to call it up. I think I'm pretty sure it was 2010. Um, anyway, so I've always found this like infamous and, and proof that like there's something wrong with the process because, um, you know, the year before you have four absolute Hall of Famers inducted and the year after you have four, at least three, if not four, absolute Hall of Famers inducted from, from the NHL. And then this year you have Cicerelli and and then Angela James and Kenny Granado. But like, it, I don't know. I don't buy the argument uh, that he was inducted. Like they only inducted one player 
in order to like somehow focus on women. If they really wanted to do that, they wouldn't have inducted any guys. Yeah. I feel like. And so the, the rumor I've heard, which I've mentioned before, is that they thought there were multiple rounds of voting that year. Oh. And that somebody nominated Cicerelli and everyone was like, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll nominate whoever we really feel like next round. And then the voting ended. And they're like, what? Now, I, I don't have a decent source for that, but that's the rumor I've read about on the internet many times. That's, that's really interesting. I, I would have thought, like, if I was going to try to use some sort of logic to this... <clears throat> That the year before they wanted to put Dino with those guys, and they were like, ah, he's, he's going to be overshadowed with any of those guys. So let's put the four of them in. Then next year we'll put Dino in with some of the other guys. <clears throat> and then they realized they had, like, they were going to ha- sort of have to leave somebody out of the next great class if they left the end. So they're like, well, do we make Dino wait? Let's just put Dino in by himself, and then we'll put in those four great guys the next year, kind of thing. I, yeah. Maybe that was it. If, if you're, you know, it's charitable, but I, it's not not a good reason. But I'm just saying, like maybe they're just like we're, we're j- like the the other eight guys are like slam dunk hall of famers, and then like people are gonna kind of crap all over Dino, and Dino's a good guy. Come on, I just put him in. I'm like, we want to focus on the women this year, anyway. Just got uh, Dino, Dino, Dino. Like, who yeah. who knows what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does it does feel like alcohol may have been involved in the decision. <laughs> so. It, it would be interesting to know exactly how they do it. Really would. Yeah, I would love to read like an article or a book. I'd love to read an oral history of the like the time that Dino Cicerelli was the only NHL player inducted into the class, a Hall of Fame class. Like, I just I want to read that. So, if anyone's listening and has some kind of information, you should write that oral history because it, I really I would pay money to read that. Or, um, or they could get you to do it. I'm sure you'd enjoy it. Yeah, that would require interviewing people. <laughs> not part of your book writing process <laughs> no, no no well i'm trying actually finally you mentioned that i'm trying to do that but it hasn't been part of it so far um but funnily enough i i really i shit on this guy a lot um you know because i just think this particular incident and it's not his fault like it's not his fault he was he was the only person inducted but i think this particular incident like really like casts a light on like this you know because unlike in baseball where you have all the you, you know how everyone voted basically at this point. Yes. Um, you know, it would really like some transparency for the hockey hall of fame because oh, like yeah, totally. this kind of thing is just like you, you, you see it. I remember when it happened and I was just like utterly mystified. However, as we will see, he, it's not like he doesn't have a case. It's just his case isn't necessarily, you know, like I said, Lindros's or something like that. But anyway, he did play forever. Right. He did, and he did a lot of quality seasons. Yeah, and uh, the the main the main thing I think that that really really says that this guy belongs in the hall is that when he retired, he was ninth all time in goals. Yeah, uh, but he had six hundred and eight goals. I mean, that's yeah. e- even for the era he played in. That's still a lot of goals. <laughs> it is a lot of goals, but yeah. it does. Him and Andrew Chuck both raise that question, right? Which okay. is the same question that's been raised in baseball with three thousand hits. Yep. Like there was one point at which you had 600 goals and like that meant you were one of the all-time great players. Mm-hmm. And at some point health and, and longevity became so much easier to attain that there are now people who have 600 goals who are, you know, like Dino here. Yeah. We're well, never like a don't one of the best players in the league ever. You know, he's like, you know, you always bring up Mike Gartner. Yeah. Well, 
Dino has 100 goals less than Mike Gardner. Um, and, 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 or whatever, Gardner's got 700 and something. I don't remember the exact number. But, like, he's, he's arguably an even better case for that. Do you, do you, how do you, you know, the question of, like, do we reward longevity or is it just greatness? Because, like, here's a guy who played for, like you said, he had 18 years we regard as quality. He played 19 seasons. He's got 600 goals. And yet, as we, when we get to the, uh, his accomplishments, we'll see he was not, you know, he was not really a dominant player ever. Yeah, he's but, one of those rock solid, like, there's no question this guy plays on a first line and he's going to get his goals and he's yeah. going to, you know, be a really important player on a team. But you're never like, man, that guy's a superstar. At any point, I don't think in your career anybody would have called Dino Cicerelli a superstar. I think he scored, if I'm not mistaken, I'm totally going off the top of my head. I've been way too busy to look a lot of stuff up that I normally do. If I'm not mistaken, I think he scored 50 once or twice. But he scored 50 twice. There you go. So, like, he Genius. clearly was a good goal scorer and scoring 50 goals is nothing to sneeze at, but he wasn't a perennial 50 goal scorer, but they added up because he just played so well for so long. But in those days, you know, like a lot of his career was spent during that heyday where, you know, Dave Semenko was scoring like 25, 30 goals. Obviously he played with Gretzky and he's like a weird exception, but scoring 30 goals was not like big, big news in the mid eighties, you know, like, so it's, you got to sort of factor that stuff in. But like I, I, I always have a feeling like the Hall of Fame looks at the total number at the end yeah. rather than at what rate did he produce over his career. And I think that's a, a big shortfall of that because those certain numbers, just like you said about baseball, you know, 500 home runs, 3,000 hits, doesn't matter how you got there. doesn't matter if you played 23 years and the other guy got 514 years. Yeah. They're both going in. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, you just play no. forever. Like you, you only hit twenty a season. You just did it for twenty four years. Great. You worked out harder than everybody and stayed in shape into your forties. Like I, I don't know that we should reward that, but at the same time, if your numbers are, you know, better than just like pretty good, like they're like, oh, those are really good numbers, and you do it for a very long time, then I'm more inclined to sort of give you like the, you know, what you were consistently really good not not you were never like the best guy but like you never ever dropped off that i'm willing to reward i don't know if Dino hits that only because of the era in which he played if his career was 80 it was 1990 to 2009 oh yeah oh yeah i mean he would be in with 600 goals he would be in um it's so speaking of rate he's he he's actually 23rd all-time in goals per game okay now that's not adjusted for era and um, you know it, that he's no longer that if we adjust for error, but it is that's still higher than I thought he was. Certainly, yeah. And it's worth noting it's higher than either of our uh, other players today. Um, so he has the rate too. Like I mean, depending on your point of view, but I mean, I would, I'm fine with someone in the top twenty-five in GPG being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, anyway, but it's also worth noting he's also a minus, barely a minus player for his 1,200 games. So that's right. also something to think about. But he was also, he, he, you know, this is not a guy who played on a lot of good teams until he got to Detroit, right? That's true. Like he, he was on the North Stars and then he was on the Capitals. Yeah. And then later on, he was on uh, the Lightning and the Pan, uh, the Panthers. So, yeah, uh, they were pretty bad when they first started out. I mean, like, 
his career minus his his negative career minus is the responsibility of basically the lightning you know <laughs> <laughs> you know had he not played for the lightning he would have been he would be a career plus basically. yeah so you got to factor that in and give him a break yeah. on that for yeah. sure um he was not drafted uh so that you know we like to talk about drafts and he wasn't drafted so uh as usual i sort of i i looked at how he fares among uh undrafted players uh since expansion and among them he's actually he's a bit you might it anyone who scored 600 goals is gonna be high up there but he's third in goals ninth in assists and fifth in points among all undrafted players to have played since expansion so that's a lot um like i believe uh that's behind Gretzky and um, I don't know who would be second on that list. Uh, but, um, you know, in goals per game, he's, he's lower down. He's, he's sixth in goals per game. So he's behind people like Tim Kerr, but uh, still, you know, he is one of the top five, uh, not in rate stats. He's one of the top five undrafted players since expansion ever. Uh, if you do rate stats, he's he's worse off. He's sixth in goals per game, twenty eighth in assists per game, and sixteenth in points per game. So significantly worse if you do it by rate. But um, still, you know, fourth in offensive point shares, eleventh in point shares. Like one of the better undrafted players. Yeah. Do Do you think that's a good part of the reason they voted him in that he was an undrafted guy who sort of worked his way to oh, having that goals? Played a part of it. I bet. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised because, like you know, you. It's like, apologize for the basketball reference, but um, for like two or three years in a row, a really short player named Nate. Well, not short, slightly shorter than me. Maybe, maybe your height, Bill. Um, maybe slightly shorter than you. Um, uh, a guy named Nate Robinson won the slam dunk competition multiple years in a row. I remember that. Yeah, his dunks were not great. But he was tiny relative yeah. to everybody else, and so everyone was always like, "Oh my god!" And I do think there's a tendency among us human beings to like look at somebody who's exceeded our expectations and like rate them better because of that, right? Regardless yeah. of what it is they're doing, and I so I, I that's basically to say that I agree with you. I think the fact that he's undrafted might have played a really big role. Yeah, and, and like uh, I, I think it's part of the same reason that like Maple Leafs fans just have this like incredible blind spot for Wendell Clark. Obviously, yeah. like we talked about Gilmore last time, and there was no blind spot for Gilmore. He was a phenomenal player, and he was also not a big guy. But Wendell yeah. Clark was like a little bulldog, and everybody yeah. loved him for that because he was like, "You're not big enough to fight Probert, but you're gonna go fight Probert." Yeah. Like yeah. those kind of guys, you know, like just like like are you like Domi too? Same kind of thing, yeah. right? Ty Domi was a fearsome one of the greatest fighters of all time. He was not that big of a guy. He was really like stocky and super yeah. strong, but yeah. his reach was way like he would just literally have to hold the guy at arm's length and turn his head and take punches in the back of the head and then turn around and catch the guy with a big punch. Cause the other guy was like six inches taller than him. Like he just yeah. was not that big of a guy, but height wise, height wise. But yeah, but I, I think, <clears throat> and I think anybody who's only started watching hockey since 2006 like anybody who's listening who's much younger won't get that because like small fast guys are everywhere in the NHL. Yeah, now. yeah. You yeah. know, if Patrick Kane tried to play the style he plays now in the mid nineties, Patrick Kane is not leaving the ice without some serious injuries. Like people yeah. just destroyed you. So for a guy like Cicerelli who was five ten, or for Beak who was five nine, or Theo Fleury who was five six, 
yeah. to survive in that league and not just survive, but never sort of take a step back. Like they were kind of look, look a little bit hot headed and they'd fight you. And you know, you gave them a slash, they'd give it right back to you. You're like, people really like that because you're just like, I mean, you know, there's a fair segment of the population that's under six feet and they're kind of like, see, I could have played in the NHL. Look at that guy go. Yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. a little, there's a little soft spot for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's some guys like that now, but, most of the time, those guys are now just like purely finesse players who have just enough jam to put up with the abuse they take to go score their goals. In, those, in that day, there was no such thing as that. If you, unless you were an absolute superstar, <laughs> like you fought your own battles and that was it. Like, and then, you know, if yeah. you need a big fighter to step in for a guy like Gretzky or one of the slighter, even though Gretzky wasn't short, he's yeah. 5'11, right? Um, but like, yeah, he's skinny. Yeah, he's super like you look at him, you're like, how is that guy the best player in hockey? Like, I don't know, his brain is like ten times better than everybody else's. Um, and also he, you know, practiced like a maniac, but <clears throat> but like there's I think there's a certain soft spot for that smaller guy who still plays just as tough or even tougher than the bigger guys. People love that. Like it just yeah. plays so big. And it, I think it, in every sport almost, like you were talking about Nate Robinson. People still have a soft, a soft spot for uh, Spud Webb and Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, they, do. they could just yeah. dunk because they had this crazy vertical, and everybody's like, "I like seeing that tiny guy dunk. It's fantastic." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so much fun. So, um, weirdly, so we always do like this era thing where we look at people who played a similar number of games over a period of time. For some reason, I have no idea why this is. Only six players managed to play a thousand games in the era that. Uh, only five other players managed to play a thousand games when Dino Cicerelli managed to play twelve hundred. Wow, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I have no idea what the hell happened. It makes no sense to me. And it's the funny thing is if we talk about like, like, you know, Flurry, there, uh, there's a whole bunch of people who played um, as many games as he did, like fifty-two. With Verbeek, it's seventeen, but Verbeek played longer than both of them. So anyway, it's just really I have no idea how, and two of them were defensemen. So so. It makes Cicerelli look really good because yeah. two of them are not going to have his totals, right? Yeah. Because he's a well, So, You know what I bet that was? I bet there's a lot of guys who started when he did who could play the 80s style, but when the game shifted in the 90s and started to become more defensively minded, none of them could do it, whereas Dino had that compete level. He's like, oh, yeah, I can still totally do it. I can play this way well, too. Don't worry. I, would, I think that's part of it. I would also bet the WHA is part of it. Oh, yeah. That, that guys came into the, you know, there was a whole bunch of, and the merger happened and people came in and like, they don't have the thousand NHL games because they'd played a couple of years in the WHA already. That's um, right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's just weird that, so, so Dino looks really good for his area. He's second in goal. He's second in basically everything except for assists and point, assists per game and points per game and wow. plus minus among these players. But of course, only six players managed to play that many games over that very specific period of 1980 to 1999. I'm sure if we moved the goalpost by like one year, either way, there yeah. would be way more players. But right. like for whatever reason, specifically his career, very few people played the same amount of games as he did. I don't know. It's very weird. But it makes him look really good. Yeah. Makes him look like an absolute star, actually, funnily enough. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so uh, his 82 game average is 80 points, um, which is almost a point per game, obviously. Um, I have a little minus zero next to it because he's like technically minus, but when you, you know, yeah, 
you do that over an 82 game average, it's like minus 0.2 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he has a he has a much better three year peak, but it's it's a weird one. So like we always like to calculate the best three years of their career just to like show like how how they excelled. And his his isn't amazing for the eighties. If it was if it had happened from ninety five to ninety eight, it would be amazing. But from eighty five yeah. to eighty eight, it's less good. It's one hundred and three points. Still very good, but like oh, yeah. not you know this is at a time when like Gretzky was scoring like one hundred ninety and Lemieux was coming in close to 200 and Iserman at 165 and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> However, weirdly, Cicerelli's very best season came in 1982. Well, but three years before that. But if I combine the two seasons around that best season, I got a much less good peak than if I did these three seasons. So it's like for best season is 82. And then his next three best are 85 to 88. Interesting. Well, 82 was a really big year for the league, I feel like. So I feel like the the highest, off the top of my head, I think highest scoring years were like 82, 86, and 93. Like all of them were really, really high. And so I think that's why 82 was his best year. Mm. Um, but because I think that was the year that like, like Kent Nelson scored like 130 points and like stuff like that. And Gretzky had, I think Gret that might have been one of the years that Gretzky first got to, almost got to 200 or got to 200 or something. Anyway. I think I think his record's two fifteen. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's bonkers. But I don't. I think that was eighty six when he, I, anyway. Eighty two was a, a a fairly big year. I think it might have been the year that Lanny scored sixty. And anyway, it's just funny that like because usually uh, players' best years cluster around each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. But Cicerelli's very best was like an outlier, and I don't know what that says about him except for the fact that he peaked when the league did, but like or partially. But it's just it's just funny. Uh, I found it amusing. Um, so he has 118 playoff points in 141 games, which is way below point per game. But he is he was 10th all time in playoff goals when he retired. Wow, like 13th now. So uh, that would be another reason to have him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, that's fairly unique. Um, and that just. The even though you know, I think that's partly from the structure of the 1980s, right? Like the stars weren't great except for that first year, but like they were in the playoffs every year because of the yeah. division stuff. Um, because he was in, and then he, and then of course, he was in, on Detroit and he scored a, a bunch of goals for Detroit when he was on Detroit, yes, uh, 24 of them. So a whole, a whole a third of his total goals were scored in four seasons, um, for that. So that had a big thing too but he's also uh he's minus 41 in the playoffs well, I, like we said he played on some some teams that probably just barely squeaked in you know like yeah. the stars and capitals and they just got smoked <laughs> also he was minus on detroit minus 15 on detroit Whoa. really yeah 24 goals minus 15 oh yeah that's not good no no it's not um yeah, minus like every every team he played in the playoffs. But like you said, some well, of those teams are must have just been playing like he was a power play get in front of the net specialist, I would assume yeah. at the point. Yeah. But even it was before Holmstrom, so I think he was the guy who did that before Holmstrom. Yeah, at one point Ray Shepard too, I think, but uh I'm not sure if they overlapped or not. Um anyway, so his playoff numbers are not like despite the fact that he is like 13th all time in playoff goals, his playoff numbers are not great. If only because he played so long, and you know that minus 41 is icky. Yeah. 
Um, as you might expect, because of when he played from 80 to 99, his adjusted adjusting for error hurts him, but nowhere near as bad as uh, Tim Kerr. Um, so it drops a full 10 points off his 82 game average. So it drops down to 70. And so if we take that adjustment seriously, we can definitely say there are a lot of guys who have an adjusted 82 game average of 70 points who are not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Absolutely, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that it sounds good that they average 35, po- uh, 35 goals a season, it's there's oh yeah, absolutely. Of, like you said, solid scorer, but you know, it's 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 like, but then you look at it, you look at his stats, like when you look at the adjusted for his actual totals, it's five hundred and thirty goals and five hundred and twenty-two assists. You're like, pretty damn good. Like, yeah. like you can see why people would want to have the discussion at the very least. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so we have trades. Trades. Four of them. Because, you know. Um, so though though three of them are, are like not really anything. Um, so his first trade was uh from uh, the North Stars to the Capitals. Um and he was traded with Bob Roos for Mike Gartner and Larry Murphy. Oh man, oh speak of the devil. So that one's I find this one weird, partly because I don't I should have looked up what happened with Larry Murphy because to me it's like, you know, trading one future Hall of Famer for two future Hall of Famers on paper seems like a bad idea. Larry well, we Murphy know had that, a weird like, career where he was always really good, and for some reason people just crapped on him. He was like there was well, there was a famous thing where they talked about him being in Toronto, <clears throat> and the yeah. Toronto fans just really getting on him, kind of like they do with Jake Gardner now, like. The guy's pretty good at what he does. He just occasionally has a game where he's just not on it. But they just were like merciless on him. Like he, they got him shipped out. Of, he was much older when he was in Toronto, but like they got him shipped out of there pretty quick. And it what was I mean fans. was like, did you even remember that Larry Murphy was on the North Stars? I, I did not know. No, I don't neither, neither did I. Uh, like, I remember I, him on the Penguins. I remember him on the Red Wings. Like, Maybe I remember him on the Caps. I don't know. I'm pretty young at that point. I think. Oh, he, well, I mean, he was he was on the Caps for a while, right? Like, they, <clears throat> yeah, but I would have been about nine years old. I no, think. I know, but I mean, like, if you if you look up the history of things, like he was. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, I thought he was drafted by them. He's actually drafted by the Kings, but he was on the Capitals for like longer than he was on the Kings. Okay. Um, but uh, I think the the most games he ever played was for the Capitals. Yeah, four hundred fifty three. Anyway, the only reason I bring that up is because. If you look at that on paper, mm. I just feel like that's a slam dunk for uh, um, for uh, Minnesota, but like it didn't work out for them. I don't think. Yeah, well, Bob Rouse is a pretty pretty rock solid sort of late eighties, oh, early nineties style defenseman. Like he was good, but yeah. Larry Murphy obviously was clipped. But it might have been one of those things where like we need more grit. We need a defensive guy, not this Larry Murphy turning the puck over all over the place. Who knows, right? Like, and, and sometimes just players fall out of favor, or maybe they just they really liked Cicerelli that much more than Gardner. Yeah, like they needed that sandpaper. Like it sounded like a sandpaper for skill kind of trade, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. I was going to say like Minnesota went to a final. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But that was later. That was after Murphy was, had moved on to Pittsburgh, who I believe beat them, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, they did. Yeah. John Casey and Nets. Woo. So, uh, anyway, I don't know. I mean, to me, the trade, I think you're absolutely right. You summed it up sandpaper for skill. 
or scale for sandpaper, depending on which side of the trade you're on. Um, anyway, I mean, both both time both all the all the major players involved were moved off to like other people, other teams fairly quickly. Like yeah. all of them only played, you know, like Dino was on uh, um, Washington for only a couple of years, and uh, and Larry Murphy was was only on. Both Gardner and Murphy were only on Minnesota for a couple of years. Yeah. So, what was I that the trade deadline too? So maybe it was financial. Maybe one of them had a a deal that was a lot shorter than the other guys. Yeah. Who knows? Well, that's why I clicked uh, onto Larry Murphy to just double check because I wasn't sure if he just like he just left after the end of the season because I was like I don't even remember him being on Minnesota, but he was around for a couple of years before he got traded to Pittsburgh. Um. So yeah, I don't know what you think about that trade. I I mean. To, to I, me, Gardner and Murphy is a slam dunk win. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, some teams today, you know, maybe maybe oh, we're going to the playoffs. We're going to need more jam to play against this team that we know we're going to play already. Because yeah. back in those days, like you pretty much knew when you were in the playoffs. Wasn't this like race till the last weekend? It was like, yeah. oh yeah, that team is terrible. The other four teams in the division are going to make it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So you pretty much knew who you were playing. Whether you were going to be the home team or the visiting team, maybe might be up for grabs between the two and a three, but like one and four was decided a month before the playoffs began, kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very different. So the next trade is uh, is a little bit of a funny one, um, and that is a couple of years later he was traded. Dino was traded by Washington to Detroit for Kevin Miller. Kevin and Miller. Man. Kevin Miller managed a couple twenty goal seasons throughout the course of his career. So, uh, oops, um, you know, like I know, I know Detroit didn't win a cup with Dino. Yeah. Um, it was later, but they were one of the best teams in the league while he was on. Oh yeah. They were and, smoking. And Kevin Miller, meanwhile, was on the Capitals when the Capitals were, um, you know, not. Amazing. Detroit was always just a goalie away from winning the cup. It felt like. Yeah. And then they finally got uh, Mike Vernon and then they won. Yeah. Before that, they had uh, Tim Shevelday, and he just couldn't seem to get them over the hump. Yeah, he was an okay goalie, but just you know, kind of like Freddie Anderson probably is now. Not to, <laughs> Toronto, but like, thanks for that. He's gonna, he's gonna give you good seasons. He's gonna look good, but ooh, I don't know if you're gonna win a cup with him. It was just that last game that it was bad this year. I feel yeah, like I didn't think it was that bad. The rest, I don't of know. I, I saw him blow it with uh, when he was with Anaheim. They had yeah. Chicago. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've never trusted him since. You know what? It's it's you're right because when when they signed him, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I was all pissed off when they signed uh, when they traded for him, and then ex and then extended him, and I was like, God damn it! Don't you remember I, I, that? I'm not completely blaming him, by the way. Like yeah. the defense is seriously lacking, but I just don't think he can win with that guy. I don't know. There's yeah, something yeah. about him. I he he's won me over. Um, but. You know, on the other hand, he did he did shit the bed when they needed him to not shit the bed. Yeah, all um, it takes is that one bad goal. And yeah. Anyway, so Kevin Miller, straight up, not good. Uh, but it it did happen June twentieth, which does suggest there were salary implications or something happening, because you know that's right before free agency. Um, not that free agency was a big deal in nineteen ninety two, but like compared to it's now. Kind of but but the fact is, it could be possible that Cicerelli was a free agent and they were trying to get something back for him. Um, so he had a, a few good years on Detroit. And then four years later in the summer, he was traded to Tampa Bay for a Tampa Bay's fourth round pick. This is a nothing 
deal, except for the fact that that fourth round pick was later traded to Toronto for Alex Ponikarovsky. Um, and so I had to mention that <laughs> because that's cool. And I was just like, what the, like, how the hell did this happen? Because it was, I didn't realize it was Tampa's pick. But yeah. what happened is later, uh, Toronto traded Jamie McCoon to Tampa. Or sorry, to Detroit. I'm sorry, Detroit. Because Detroit had Tampa. Did he finish his career in Detroit, Jamie McCown? Is it McCown? Yeah, yeah it's McCown. Uh, terrible. No, that's all right. My, my terrible mispronunciations. of. Um, I don't know. I think he might have finished his. He was, he was hanging around for the Cups, right? Like he won at least one cup with them. Yeah. And Maybe so both. Did he win the cup? Sort of, no, he like, just won the one. He's he's like your number five, number six D man. You're just like, yeah, he's on the ice. We don't have to worry about things. He's gonna he's gonna chip it off the glass and get it out. He's that guy. Yeah, you're right. He finished his career with Detroit. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, so like everybody got something out of that. Tampa Bay got the tail end of, uh, um, you know, uh, Dino's career, which, I mean, wasn't as good. I mean, but he did score thirty five goals for them one year. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, and then Detroit got a draft pick who they could then move to get Jamie McCown. I really want to say McCoon. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then of course the Leafs somehow got a, a player out of a fourth round pick. Yeah, who was actually one of un- unfortunately one of our top three forwards for a few years because that's how that's what the Leafs did around Mets. Yeah, man. The, the year after Matt's le- re- semi-retired, I think he was like the second best forward on the team, or third, or something like that. After uh, if, the didn't, if the league didn't have a salary cap today, what Toronto would be up to? Yeah, they used to try to just spend like crazy, buy everybody they could, and still inexplicably, Ponikarovsky Pana- was like one of their best. Well, forwards. the Rangers did that too, right? The Rangers, yeah, yeah, they kept trying. Just there was no chemistry, super- and they'd get yeah. older guys. It's like yeah. it doesn't work. We have all these like 38 year old injured players. They're all paying millions of dollars. And you're like, eh, this is not the best strategy. Yeah, that's okay. The Rangers deserve it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my well-known hatred of the Rangers rears its ugly head yet again. So then finally <laughs> we have one last trade at age 38. He was traded with Jeff Norton for Mark Fitzpatrick and Jody Hull. Um, this is a big, big deal <laughs> in November of 1990. Uh, sorry. In January of 1998. And, uh, uh, yeah, so that was from Tampa to Florida. Um, it had a really big impact on the league, as you would expect. Uh, sarcasm. Um, well, you know, but, like Jeff Norman is all right. <laughs> but, but Dino was basically done by that point. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I, there's no way you get to move for guys like that. Like, yeah. basically, I think at that point, everybody's like, they're all journeymen, but, you know, Cicerelli's got a little bit of cachet. Let's get him. Yeah. He might put some bums in the seats. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. So those are the trades. So earlier we talked about his his overall numbers. His overall numbers are very good, of course, but like his accomplishments are, you know, in the context of the '80s, I mean, they're fine. But like, if he had done some of these things in the '90s, they'd be a little more impressive, perhaps. Yes, um, I agree. But so he was only he was only ever a top ten player by point shares once, and he was a top five offensive player by offensive point shares once. He had so in '87. So this is not a guy who was leading the league, you know. A lot. He was top five in goals twice. He was top ten in points twice. So you know he had two quite good years. Mm-hmm. But that's it. I mean, yeah. even though he he, but he did score fifty five goals once, fifty goals twice. Um, he also, it's worth noting, he also 
was very consistent. Yeah. So he's one of only 17 players to score 40 goals seven times. He's one of only uh, 18 players to score 20 goals 14 times. You know, he did a bunch of these things a lot of times. So if you're going to make an argument for him being in, it's his totals and the fact that he put up points for like consistently for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, never... 20 goals 14 times out of 19 years. You yeah. got to assume some of those years were because of the injury that he didn't hit it or because he was getting really old and the game had become very, very defensive. But like, it's pretty, like, the, yeah, it's in for injury. So is, right? Injury for sure. Um, at least one. Yeah. So the years he wasn't hitting, like, so the first year he didn't hit 20 was definitely injury because he only played 51 games that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like, yeah, a, a year like when he was old, his last season he only scored six, his previous season he only scored 16. And then, of course, there's the lo- the the work stoppage year, right? He only put yeah. up 16 in the workshop, there were only 45 games. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, had that work stoppage year not happened, I mean, <laughs> well, Pacey was scoring at 0.38, yeah, he would have put up at least yeah. well over 20. So, yeah, there yeah I mean. And so it, he would have, one of those things where maybe, maybe like he, he he played quite a while, and at the end, was just playing for expansion teams, sort of like you know being an NHLer they could put on the ice, getting his goals and stuff. But you're like, maybe in his mind he's like, if I hit 600, I might get into the Hall of Fame. I should probably stick around and make sure I hit that number. Maybe I mean, uh, if if I'm if I'm on. Yeah, like, like if I'm at like 595 or something. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I better hit that 600. I am like doing everything I can to play till, till sure. I hit 600. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything I can. Yeah. Um, I think you're right about that. Now, he, he, I believe he hit, uh, did he hit 600 when he was on Tampa? Hold on. Where are my numbers here? Yep. That would have been Tampa. He would have been at 602 if he only scored six for Florida. Uh, no, he scored 11 for Florida. Oh, I thought you said six. Six in his final season for Florida. Sorry. Oh, had, okay. <laughs> so he had five. I the same thing as you. Okay. So he got a he got a trade. Uh, he yeah. got traded partway through the season. So he had five at the end of that first season for Florida, and then six yeah, total in his final oh. season. So yeah, he was with the Panthers. Man. But like he came back at six oh two. Clearly. Did, trying to score more and then just you know at that point it was his age 38 season and and he was playing 13 minutes a game at that point yeah so. he probably realized he's like you know what uh if i'm not gonna play a top, like top six minutes i'm just not gonna yeah why am i doing this to myself sort of thing you know like i'm not helping my numbers i'm pro- yeah. and you know what all the hard miles on that guy like you know being 510 and playing in the league that long and that hard yeah. He's probably absolutely exhausted. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I kind of like you know, I, got, I got a little bit of a soft spot for him. I think he... Yeah. I, so so the, lastly, um, we have his great teams, and he was he was never a star in the playoffs, but he did have one year where he was among the better players, and that was that, you know, we didn't watch it because both of us were just being born. <laughs> in fact, 81... I was not yet born in the 81 playoffs. It was a few more months for me. Um, I, I I would have been born probably after the cup was won because it used to get used to be won probably in, in the very end of May. So yeah. I probably wasn't born yet either. <laughs> so there you go. But so the, the I'd say magical 81 North Stars run because no one expected them to go to the final, right? Yeah. 
Um, so he was one of the best forwards on that team. That was also his rookie season. Um, and then he uh, he didn't make the finals again for 14 years. Um, uh, but then all the other times he was on a good team, when 95 Red Wings when he made the finals and the A4 North Stars and 96 Red Wings when he made the conference finals, he was only a top six forward on yeah. those teams, which makes sense because, you know, especially in the Red Wings teams, he was... Uh, um, and this is, of course, this is going by points. We don't have ice time, but like on those road wings teams, you know, they had Eiserman and Fedorov and oh, yeah. uh, Larianov and, uh, you know, uh, anyway. yeah. and then he also, uh, he was on a world championship bronze team. Um, the one year he wasn't in the playoffs, uh, <laughs> with the Minnesota North Stars, because again, the division thing that yeah. mediocre teams were in the playoffs all the time. Um, and also, what was it? There was like 20-something teams in the league and 16 of them made the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, 20, at one point, there was 21 teams in the league and 16 made the playoffs. 16 made the playoffs. And it's just like there was like five teams, four or five teams that were just most years absolutely putrid. Like, yeah, yeah. The, Although the Nordiques in those days weren't that team. I think it was the Whalers back then because they sort yeah. of flopped at one point. But it was the Whalers and the Nordiques were like going to fight it out for actually squeaking into the playoffs. The Habs or the Bruins were going to finish first. Buffalo was always going to finish third. And that was the Adams division. And then out West, Vancouver and Winnipeg were going to fight it out for the last spot. And, you know, Edmonton and Calgary are going to finish one, two in some order like that. Like it was, it was just so predictable. It was unbelievable. It was definitely better than, than like, you know, ranking them one to eight or, or one to 16. Yes. Sorry. Again, sorry, guys. I know. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> I'm all on board I, for the one for 16, but they won't do it because of the yeah. flying time. Yeah, yeah. I, I I, think divisions are so dumb, but that's just me. That's also I, comes from because I watch too much basketball, and they are really dumb in basketball. Yes. Hey, as, as a Vancouver fan, and we have to fly everywhere anyways, I'm like, let's do the one to 16. Let's even this stuff up. I want to yeah, see, yeah. like, the Rangers play the Ducks in round one. Yeah. <laughs> have fun flying all that way. We're used to it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I really – I would love to see one for 16, but I don't think it's happening. Or, or, let, or the, the, uh, the Bill Simmons theory where they let them pick their opponent. I also really like – I have I lots of problems that with so much because the, the I love the know, picking they, the opponent. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's oh, a great one. Yeah. If any sport's going to do it, it's got to be hockey, right? Nobody else is crazy enough to do it. I think yeah. that would be crazy enough to do it. I, I, they, they I think it would be so great too because, like, you'd have such a chip on your shoulder if the if the first overall seed picked your team. Oh, it'd be incredible! Like, yeah, okay, yeah. this year, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning select. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche be like, oh, bring it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they probably would have got beat like, the way if we're looking at it now, right? Like, just, yeah. man, like, it's, it, it would be a great thing, even if they only said we're going to do it for one year and see how it goes. It would be incredible. Like, that, just the number of people that would tune in for the show alone, where you're like, yeah, this is the playoff draft. And yeah. so teams one through seven get to pick their opponent, and then the last two left have to play. Yeah. And so you don't even know if other teams pick team like, oh, that guy got hurt right before. Yeah, we're going to take like the fifth team, but we know their best player got hurt like a week ago. And you're like, oh, crap. And then like it throws the whole like who yeah. gets home ice advantage off completely. <laughs> no, I think it would be wonderful. And I don't. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's sad that no one's going to take it seriously. But so do you, how do you feel about Dino? Like, do you think he belongs? Do you think he doesn't belong? 
I'm he's one of those guys. I'm right on the fence. I respect the longevity. I marvel at his overall numbers. I I honestly, before we looked at this, just like he had 600 goals. I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, he just he just kept plugging away at being very like he was just clearly and you know he has almost an even number of assists so he wasn't just like a pure goal scoring machine like yeah. some of the other big time goal scorers have been but it's like oh the guy just you know he had a great shot and he was a one-trick pony like this guy yeah. could play hockey did it undersized did it for 20 years where until the game slowed him down at the very end he produced it a very maybe not consistent but like steady steadily good to great rate good to good to very good rate yeah it's 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 hard to it's hard to say he doesn't belong but i think if it were my hall he obviously wouldn't go in but with the current way the hall is if guys like andrew chuck and gartner and those guys are going to be in i think i would just barely give him a pass um yeah i just i i don't have as much of an issue going in but I feel like it's almost like it I would also listen to somebody who'd say like this guy does not belong he's not a Hall of Famer and tried to prove me like I would be like you know what you convinced me I take it back he does not belong but the 608 is what jumps out at me and well, maybe that's I think thing, that's yeah. why they voted him in right so I I you know I've, I've made a lot of fun of him on this show yes um, or at least on the induction process but and I'm I'm inclined to go with what you say in the sense that I think in a perfect world Hall of Fame maybe not or probably not but in this Hall of Fame I think the precedent has absolutely been set you know there are guys with way fewer goals and and lower goals per game yeah than he is in the Hall of Fame the other thing though to me is like when he retired he was ninth all time do you really want to say that the guy who he was ninth all time in goals doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Like that really, just like with Tim Kerr and being like, how can we justify this? I understand that's context. And had he not played in the 80s, he probably wouldn't have been ninth all time. But it's still, it, there's something icky about that saying that he doesn't belong yeah. when you're like, he's the ninth most goals at his retirement, right? That obviously changed. Lots of people have scored more since. But like, it just, I feel like. That that saying that someone doesn't belong when they made it top ten in a counting stat, if only for like a year or two, um, I don't know. I just I don't know that I can bring myself to do that, even in a perfect world hall of fame. Um, unless, of course, we were going to be just make it counting stats are all adjusted for era, and then I'd be like, okay, that's yeah, fine. But I don't know that anyone's agreed. I mean, because the thing is, adjusting for era is flawed, right? So, like, can we even agree on that? So. I think I'm okay with him being in, despite constantly referring to his induction as like a big. I still think it's a huge boondoggle. I just, oh, yeah. it's not his fault that it was a boondoggle. Um, it's just the NHL being the NHL, right? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. They boggle everything. They should just call themselves the Boondoggle Hockey League. Like, I mean, yes, yes. If there's a chance for them to screw it up, guaranteed they'll screw it up. Yeah. So up next, we have uh, every Calgarian's favorite hockey player, Theo Fleury. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, who played 15 seasons, so shorter, and and their careers only over well, their careers overlapped for a while, actually, for 11 seasons. Um, he played 15 seasons, all of which are quality in our assessment. Um, he is on 
no overall leaderboards, partly because he only played 15 seasons, and he played at a time when, you know, if you're going to get on a leaderboard, uh, like when we when I say leaderboards, I mean like top 25. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's in the top 100. And, but, um, but in order to get like top 25 by this point, you really had to play for a while because, you know, so many people had scored a lot. Uh, he is, of course, famous for being drafted quite low because yes. of his size. Yes, five foot and, six. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and 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 just like with some of the other people we've talked about, oh, his hockey reference picture is incredible. He's got like he's got a, a mullet. Oh, amazing! And it's, it's just it's something you can't only see, you can only see half of the mullet. Um. So he was drafted 166th overall in 1987. And as we've talked about, that was a pretty decent draft with Turgeon, uh, Shanahan, Sackick, among other people in it. And Jody Hall, funnily enough. There's a huge, there's a, and Mark Fitzpatrick, there's a, there's a segue between Dino and Flurry. There you go. Um, However, despite being drafted 166, so they're all Flurry is fourth in almost everything except for point shares and games played. Man. So he, he's basically the fourth. He's the fourth best. He's among the best forwards, anyway. Yeah. Um, and given that the best defensemen are Matthew Shiner and Eric Desjardins, yeah, he's the fourth. I think best. he's the fourth best player. Um. I mean, you you might also say actually Jean Jean Leclerc, who has uh, lesser numbers, but also played in a hundred less games. Yeah. So uh, you could, I think you could have an argument between uh, John Leclerc and uh, Theo. I I would agree with that. At his peak, I would probably have taken John Leclerc, but in terms of like always being good, Theo, I think would take the cake there. Yeah. So just like I, uh, hockey yeah. reference doesn't let you see. Uh, I'm sorry. I said, in terms of like putting up numbers, it's like he just sort of showed up in that playoffs and was ready to jump in and played a big role. And then for some inexplicable reason, they believed he could never continue that and traded him. And then he was like 50 goals, 50 goals, 50 goals. Like, holy crap, playing with Lindros is awesome. Yeah, yeah. like, well, just uh, they don't show the point, the per game when you look at the draft and hockey reference. But like, just give you an example. Theo's got 455 goals in 1,084 games, and John Leclerc's got 406 in 967. Wow. So he was putting up more goals per game, though Theo put up significantly more assists per game. Um, because despite playing only 100, go- uh, 100 games more, he has more than 200 more assists than John Leclerc. So anyway, but still, I think you could have an argument about the, whether one of those two is the fifth best player, or fourth best player, sorry. But yeah, it's it's basically Sackick. Shanahan, Turgeon, and then either Fleury or Leclerc in the draft, I think. It's safe to say. I mean, if we're not talking goalies, because... Oh, no. Goalies were not. Um, just Jeff Hackett. So, <laughs> and Garcia. Anyway. So, Jeff uh, Hackett was a good goalie for a few years. Yeah, he was. Um, didn't he have vertigo or something? Yeah, he did. That's what derailed him. Yeah, he was when he was in Montreal. He was great. People loved him. Yeah, uh, and then Theo, Theodore came in, and you know, obviously he's a French Canadian, so they got rid of Hackett. But Hackett yeah. was, I thought, the better goalie. Um, and then he went away, played pretty well. Immediately got vertigo and could never play again. The poor guy. Yeah, felt really bad. He was like a. I'm trying to think of like a goalie now that he reminds me of. 
getting off topic here, but uh, like a, a much better Brian Elliott. <laughs> yeah. Like just sort of like everybody's like, eh, maybe he's not our guy. And it's like, he always plays well for you. Like, what are you so upset about? Like, eh, he's not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Flurry, despite being 166 overall, was one of the four or five best players in his draft. Um, for his era, this is where it, this this is where he gets hurt. So unlike Dino, who had six players play the same amount of time as him in his era, fifty-two people played this roughly the same amount of time as Theo did. And among those players, he's tenth in goals per game and goals. He's fifteenth in assists and assists per game, and he's thirteenth in points and points per game. So top fifteen player. That's not generally what we think of when we think of people in all of him. That's true, sure. but I think the uh, the people who are ahead of him in goals and goals per game, assists and assists per game, points points per game, I bet you a lot of those guys are Hall of Famers. Absolutely, I don't have that in front of me. I could bring it up, uh, but like, yeah, I'm sure, like you know, for sure, Sackick and Shanahan. Um, yeah, though Turgeon would be ahead of him in both and not in the yeah. Hall of Fame. Um, but anyway, still like one of the better players. Just like usually when we're talking about that, the the player is often like top five or top 10, right? In the air. Yeah. Um, his 82 game average is better than Dino's. It's 82 points. Mm-hmm. And also plus 11 for 82 games. So yeah. um, one of the funny things about comparing these guys, uh, I don't think this applies to Verbeek, but like for both Dino and Theo, you have these weird, it was hard to figure out their three-year peaks. Because mm. so, so Dino's best year was way outside of his other three best years, whereas like with Theo, he had two overlapping. He basically had a six-year or a five-year peak, wow. where from like uh, 1990 to 1995, he essentially scored at the same rate. Man. Which I mean, there's probably lots of players who have been like that, but yeah. like I don't always notice because I actually had to do like I had to do the the arithmetic to like figure out which was the higher three year period was it 90 to 93 or 92 to 95 and and one of them eked out the other by like 0. 0.02 or something like that talk about consistency yeah, yeah. and that peak was 90, 94 points for 82 games uh which given the era is is I mean at the uh, for the 92 95 is better than the 90 93 yeah. Um, cause you know, everybody was scoring 90 points in 1993, mm-hmm. um, but also plus 19. Man, it's pretty good. Whereas, uh, Dino, I think I forgot to mention is, is a, is three year peak was minus two. So, yeah. So Flurry's a little better as far as we know with the possession, obviously he doesn't have possession stats cause he retired before they were kept mm-hmm. by, by a bunch of years, four years, five years. Um, so, uh, playoffs, uh, he's 70 points in 77 games, so slightly less than a point per game. Um, but you know, significantly, if we compare it to Dino, for example, uh, significantly better than Dino's point, uh, you know, because Dino was 118 and 141. So, this is a uh, you know, to, to compare, um, uh, it, well, anyway, it's just. Flurry has more points per game in the playoffs than Dino did. Yes. Um, so if that matters to you. <laughs> also, uh, if you adjust for error, it helps him slightly. It bumps up his average, 82 game average, 84 points. So, you know, adjusting for error, he's still a point per game player. 
Absolutely. Which is an argument in his favor for him to be in over some other guys because there's lots of guys in the, the Hall of Fame who are not. You just for error. Um, so we have two trades, and uh, one of them is is not flattering. Um, but so he's traded from the Flames at 28 with Chris Dingman yep. for to the to the Avalanche for Rene Corbett, Wade Belak, Robin Regeer, and a second round pick. Oh man! And I think based on the timing, it was a. Um, was it a? It was a deadline trade, I think. Uh, you would think if his contract yeah. was expiring. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah. so he was his contract was expiring because he signed as a free agent that summer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But I gotta say, Calgary still got stuff out of that. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Just... Robin Regeer, we, we people who didn't watch the Flames in the early two thousands might not remember, but though he was basically offensively inept, was a very important part of the. Uh, the Flames 2004 run. Oh, yeah. He's such a good defensive defense, but he's amazing. Yeah. And then also, uh, I don't know how Jared Stoll got to uh, the Oilers, but like he was later an important part of the Oilers 2006 run. Um, yeah. And also uh, at least one of the uh, – both of the Kings yeah, Cups. He, he was also. Yeah, he was yeah, he, he won two. Yeah, he won two. No, he was on both of them. Oh, nice. Uh, so I just I don't know how he made how Stoll made his way to uh, Edmonton because uh, I didn't look at players um, in the pro sports transactions database in part because we're not talking about Jared Stoll. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, and then you know Belak is Wade Belak, um, yes, or, or was rather. Uh, anyway, they got a they got a lot of players for an expiring deal. Um, yeah, they really did. Rene Corbet was a good player. Uh Rikir was ended up being phenomenal. Like and the second the, you know, the second round pick, they obviously picked the right guy. But uh like some serious like NHL contributors who had good NHL careers, like really good NHL careers, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. guys don't stick around as long as those four guys stuck around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, it's it's it looks like a, a, a good deal. And then and, and I mean I mean they were all really young too, right? Like, yeah, uh, uh, Fleury was twenty eight, but uh, Dingman was twenty two, and Corbet was twenty five, and Belak was twenty two, and Rigier was eighteen. Man. So uh, anyway, it, yeah, it makes sense for. Um, and then of course Colorado got Fleury for a cup run that didn't work out, but they got him. Yeah, and uh, then every year they might have been able to help themselves out in the late two thousands because yeah, was yeah, really good. <laughs> Yeah, but once the league, I don't, I feel like once the league, like post lockout, he didn't. Oh no, no, no! But I'm just saying, like in the in the early, sorry, when I meant late, late, I meant late 2000s, as in like 2004, 2003, yeah. 2004, when yeah, they were yeah. still contending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the lockout, yeah, man, yeah. like they could have really used a guy like him. They would have yeah. been so difficult to play against with that guy. I mean, so, they still were, but they probably could have won another cup. Say if he was there and healthy. So the last trade is is really ignominious um, of the two trades. He was traded at oh, he was almost thirty two years old. So for a lot of players, that's not that old. But of course, he had you know uh, Theo Fleury has had lots of um, problems in his life. 
yes. uh, with substance abuse, but also uh, with sexual assault. And um, he was traded as the future considerations yeah. in a trade. So he was, he wasn't traded for future considerations. He was the, he was the future considerations. Um, so that's where, that's how bad his stock had fallen in only three years. Yeah. He went from being uh, traded for four assets. Well, with another player for four assets at the trade deadline to help a cup run to being traded to complete a deal that San Jose and uh, New York had made. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, and that's not a very long time, three years. No, it's really not. But I mean, you know, he got, <clears throat> when he went to New York, I think is a free agent, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, New York was probably the worst place for him. I, I, I read his, um, his autobiography and it was just like, he basically said like, I went to New York and I tried to get clean for a bit and, you know, I'd, I'd be playing like crap and the media would get on me and I'd say like, all right, oh, I can't take this. And he'd go out and, you know, drink and do, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And then he'd show up and score, you know, four goals in two games. And everybody would be like, you're amazing. And he'd be like, I guess I should just keep doing that thing. Like, just yeah. keep playing hot. Like, it was like, just sort of like, it was one of his, it was one of those times where everybody was really worried about him. Like, I remember feeling just awful and everybody had sort of pieced two and two together too from the um uh it's a graham james i think was yeah graham uh, james yeah yeah, yeah the the, uh, the hockey coach who you know molested some of his players and that and it was like you know, everybody had sort of put two and two together that it was him given all the problems he was having yeah because uh, somebody knew they knew it was somebody from the swift current broncos but they didn't know which guy but they, everybody knew it was a major nhl star at that point yeah um, and so it was like and he just sort of went into this downward spiral and it didn't look like he was going to come out of it. Everybody's like really worried about him. And it's just like, Oh, I hope this guy's going to be okay. But it, the guy could still put the puck in the net. Like even with all that going on, you know, substance abuse problems and, you know, just this terrible thing hanging over him, he was still putting the puck in the net. Like he was just that good of a hockey player. Like if yeah. he went out and just concentrated on hockey, he was going to score goals. Yeah. And so, I mean, you've got to, you got to admire, just how damn good the guy was to be have all that going on and just be like, you know what, for 60 minutes, I'm going to forget every horrible thing that's happening in my life and just score goals. Yeah. And he was just, you know, even at that age, like for the Rangers, he wasn't a terrible player. I think they traded him because they're like, this, like, this is going down a road. We no, he, was, he wasn't a bad player for the Rangers. What's that? He wasn't a bad player for the Rangers. He, no. uh, I mean, I mean, he had to, 63 points in 82 games in 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 2002 yeah when that was good you know um no i think you're absolutely right uh and i mean you know it back then in particular it was sort of hard to no one really knew what to do about that stuff yeah um yeah i mean and i mean i think and people i who knows if people would actually known if things would have been different i don't know yeah, I, um, it's, I I think we're not there yet, but we're probably getting close to being there. Maybe um, yeah. next decade, maybe we'll start to sort of figure that kind of thing out. People speaking out, everybody actually supporting yeah. them instead of. So, so speaking speaking of New York City, yes, J.R. Smith, uh, an infamous inconsistent basketball player, was asked once why he was why he had improved when he got traded to Cleveland, and his response was something like, "It's Cleveland." And he got he had been traded from New York. 
Yeah. He's like, there's nothing for me to do here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Practice. I, just, I just play basketball now. I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm no longer like at clubs every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think for, for Theo, I don't think it mattered where he was. I think it's just. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, he would have been in, he would have done stuff like that. That's not you're not going to be able to escape that, right? Like, there's no, no definitely way. not. It's like Montreal. It's like any any of the big sort of famous sort of party cities that have a good nightlife. It's like it's very Vegas. Oh, okay. is the same thing. Um, you also just can't escape the sexual assault, right? Like, it's oh yeah, exactly. not going anywhere just because you got moved to a city with less party atmosphere. Exactly, know? and that's. It's one of those things where it's it's amazing what he's been able to do in terms of becoming like a public speaker and going around and talking about it now. It's yeah. like a testament to what an amazing person he is because yeah. he, you know, able to fight off his demons and then sort of turn it into a good thing. Yeah. He, does, he does some incredible stuff now, raises money, plays in charity hockey tournaments. He does all kinds of amazing stuff out in Alberta. And, um, he, uh, I remember, uh, I can't remember if, can't remember which one of my friends it was, but a couple of friends in high school, one of them was a Flames fan and the other one just happened to know, because the, the old forum, there used to be like the visitors like exit and they had to walk out onto the street to get out of there. So yeah. like, people would know. So if you were a fan of that team, you'd just go hang out outside on like near Atwater and uh, Demetheneuve and the players would have to pop out there. So you'd get a chance to get some autographs and that kind of stuff. And one of my friends told me a story like the Flames were the flames like they had won the cup the year before yeah 1991 and all the players came out and they all just you know went straight to the bus and you know just it's cold it's like you know minus 30 outside and Theo was out there signing to the point where the bus was because he was and he signed for all the kids yeah and he would just stand there and sign and talk to them oh do you play hockey where do you play like just such a nice guy and like genuinely wants to be nice to all the kids who you know and maybe it's Maybe it had something to do with just, you know, he had something taken away from him, but they're like, he was the nicest guy and he wouldn't talk about himself or what he did in the game. He wanted to know about like, what, what does the kid do? How, you know, what position do you play? That kind of stuff. And one of my friends told me, it's like, to the point where the bus is honking and like, Hey Theo, we're going to miss the plane. Come on, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> He was just that kind of guy. So. Well, and he also really loved the sport, right? Because even yeah. he famously or infamously even kept trying to play in Ireland when he was yes, kicked out of the yeah. Uh, NHL. Yeah, he had that last great camp with the Flames and scored a bunch of goals. And people were like, is he going to make the team? And they're like, nah. Like, what? Why not? Like, such a good PR thing. They're like, nah, he's done. Also, like, I, uh, I, I have a memory of a, our mutual friend telling us a story about uh, – uh, like amateur hockey in Calgary, but I'm not sure I remember it correctly. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I think I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I just, I'm not sure I want to say it cause I don't know if I remember yeah. it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I remember him saying that he played with him and he's just like, yeah, they're still playing like a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. you can't, you can't, if you're, I feel like if you make the NHL, you can't turn off that competitive one. Yeah. It exists. And you, you know how good you are. And if you're playing with people who weren't in that league, you're like, I'm going to be the best guy on the ice and everyone's going to know it kind of thing. You know, like um, one, of, one of my buddies played against Ray Bork for a couple of shifts at like a charity hockey thing in Boston. Oh, wow. He tried to go around him. <laughs> he said like, all of a sudden, like the Ray Bork's eyes just lit up and he went like full 
I'm an NHL Hall of Famer on him and just like lifted his stick, took the puck, went through everybody, scored a goal top corner. But he's like, oh, way to way to make him mad. <laughs> like just anyways, <laughs> he just wants to skate around and look good. Why are you doing that? Like, oh my god. He's like, in the minute he took the puck, he's like, oh my god. And like nobody could stop him. Like just he was so incredible. Like and this is I think probably five to ten years after he retired. Yeah. It's, the level is just insane. So I mean yeah, yeah. you know, if, if Flurry was playing in a beer league just to like help out one of his buddies and everyone knows who he is, he's gotta go score minimum three yeah. of those games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna like just go out there and be a plug. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So uh, he he actually, funnily enough, has slight I mean slightly more accomplishments than Dino, but like in terms of his dominance, roughly similar. He was also just a top ten player once, mm-hmm. and top five offensive player twice. So a little bit better than Dino, uh, but again, top five in goals only once, top ten three times. So very somewhat similar, better better as compared to the league. Yeah, also specifically in the assist department. Uh, Theo is top 10 assist twice, which is something that Dino never accomplished. Um, and uh, so, like, he wasn't necessarily, he didn't play as, anywhere near as long as stuff, but he did have a slightly better, relative to the rest of the league, he was slightly better. Yeah. Um, and which, so for me, if Dino is going to be, and that's arguing for Theo to be, um, even though Theo Fleury doesn't have, uh, I don't know why I'm just calling them by their first names. I better call Pat Verbeek Pat for the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, but it does it does make a case for Fleury, I think, because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he doesn't have the totals, but he does have a slightly better um, relative to the league in terms of his accomplishments and being on leaderboards a little more frequently than Dino does. Yeah. Also a second-team All-Star, which is not something that either of these other guys ever got, I believe. So that's something. Um, and then uh, he was valued in the playoffs. Um, he didn't have a lot of playoff success. He he won a cup, obviously, but he was a you know top nine forward by points. Um, and he the 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 Abs did go to the uh, conference finals that year. He got traded to them. Yeah. But I think the real notable thing about uh, Flurry is uh, the number of international teams he was on mm-hmm. that were decent. Yeah. Um, and that he was regularly put on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got, uh, he's got, he's an Olympic champion. He's a World Cup champion, or sorry, a Canada Cup champion. Um, he almost won a world championship and he won a world junior. Yeah. And, and he, he, was, he was on, um, he was one of the shooters that they picked for, uh, Nagano in 98. Oh, yeah? I didn't yeah. remember that. The, shooters, that out. the second shooter. Oh, okay. Either that or he was first and then Bork was second or Bork was first and he was second. But they pick like – I remember the picking a defenseman. Everybody went like, what the hell are you doing? Like the guy wins – you know, I think it was Bork and everybody crapped on him. Like, oh, he does win the uh, accurate shooter thing every single year. He's pretty good at putting the buck where he wants to put it. Um but uh, yeah, I remember. I distinctly remember Theo Fleury shooting in that. So, I I have blocked that out. If uh, <laughs> I think I remember every single shooter pretty much in order. Yeah. I but I went to school the next day. I was still in high school at this point. One of my friends took one look at me. He's like, "Somebody stayed up to watch the gold medal game last night." And I looked at him. I'm like, 
I watched the women's game before that too. <laughs> oh God, because then we lost both. Oh man, it was brutal. <laughs> It was a rough. It was a rough go. It was a really bad day at school. But anyway, he he uh, he was like put on a bunch of these teams, yeah. and with the exception of the Olympic team, where he was a role, like he, I believe he was on the fourth line, mm-hmm. uh, which you know that the two thousand two Olympic team had a ridiculous fourth line. Oh, they were so stacked. It was yeah. Uh, he he played you know big roles in on most of these teams, and and so that's another thing in his favor. Um, you know, is that certainly compared to either of the other two guys we're talking about, he he was he was uh, consistently considered for uh, important Canadian teams internationally, and had success with them. And uh, so I think that you know that argues in his favor over both of these other guys. Um, I don't know how much, but it's something, you know. And anyway. I'm sorry. I said I think I would agree with that. So what do you think? Um, I think if Dino's in, I think Theo should be in. Yeah, I'm, I I lean I lean that way a little bit. I'm I really don't like. I I don't think he belongs in a perfect world Hall of Fame, except maybe, honestly, for like, um, his his off ice story. Uh, yes. just because of like, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that's that that thing that kind of thing happened and the kind of toll it had and and that he was able to succeed so much in spite of all that yeah um but i think there is a precedent that suggests that players like him with his numbers could be in especially given that he like if you do look relative to relative to the league and adjusting for era he was a better player than dino cicerelli was and dino cicerelli is in at a, at a lesser height, playing in yeah, a tougher yeah. area. Yeah. I mean, like, just every Theo Fleury at 5'6 should not have been able to survive in the NHL past 1994, but yeah. he still played another decade. Like, I mean, what more yeah. do you want from a guy? Like, the, guy yeah. the guy flat out could score goals. Yeah. He was yeah. so damn fast and just played it. He played the game kind of the way the game's meant to be played. He was yeah. never dirty. But if somebody wanted to come at him, he was ready to like he was ready for it. You were not going to intimidate him, kind of thing, you know, which was really neat. And then when you know we didn't know the backstory when he first started playing, and then towards the very end of his career, we started to figure it out. And it was like, man, that guy played like that for decades, and he had this horrible thing in his past. Like, man, what a what a warrior! Like, it's incredible. So yeah, yeah. For for, for me too, like I think. I think that story as well. I think the if he doesn't get in based on his playing career, I feel like he should get in in terms of the uh, the impact he's made, like socially and just the bravery to like. I know that uh, it was um, Sheldon O'Keefe, right? Yeah, yeah, was was the first one to speak out about it and get Graham James like arrested. And Theo was still a major star at that point and didn't want to come out and say anything about it. But when he retired, he came out and talked about it. And to have the bravery to do that is really, really impressive. I mean, like the difficult, difficult thing to do, especially Sheldon O'Keefe um, was incredibly brave to bring it to light. And then, but Theo had been in the public eye for so many years to have the spotlight shine on him that brightly and still come out and like confirm that, yes, this was what happened. Incredible. Like, just, 
I don't know. I don't know where he found the strength to do that, but somehow he did, and the strength to overcome his substance abuse issues. You know, be be what he is now, where he he's like an ins, he's a motivational speaker and goes around and does community work. He's just an awesome person, you know. Like it's really great story. That like it could have ended so badly so many times, and for him to come through that is really incredible. So, so I just checked it out just to correct the record because I was a little worried we had the wrong player, and we did. Is Sheldon Kennedy? Oh man, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you know what? It's easy though because Sheldon Keith is actually the coach of the Marlies. Oh. Every time I hear his name, I think I, I think I said O'Keefe. I think I was thinking of an old beer. Oh, okay, um, I but, yeah. I, uh, I always think it's him because of the it's the first name, right? It's a yeah. rather rare first name. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, I Because I said I agreed with you. And then I was well, like, well, I'm going to double check that. No, thank you for correcting me. That's, uh, yeah, I'd like to get the guy's name right. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, he, it, I mean, like, he, he was sort of, um, you know, just like a one of those guys who had an NHL career, but not terribly long or anything. But then, like, significant what he did to expose and prevent that guy from being able to continue the horrible things he was doing. Cause he would have kept going if nobody had exposed it. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Like the bravery is just off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I honestly, like, I think there's, I think there's nothing wrong with the hall acknowledging something like that. No, me neither. Um, yeah. And, and I think it, it, it might be worth them thinking about if they're not going to induct him for his, his, uh, yeah. And then I would say if they're going to, if they're going to induct Theo just basically based on that, then I would think that it needs to be like an entire display about him and Sheldon Kennedy and yeah. like making people aware that, you know, especially given the current scandals with the, with different coaches, different national teams in, in almost every country, um, just sort of making people aware of this stuff and that like speak out about it. Yeah, we know what happens in every sport. Yep. Um, and like, I feel like saying no shit. But like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, uh, of course, some it, it your adult left alone with kids is going to attract a certain type of person, right? Like, yeah. And it's hard to it's hard, especially back in the day when when people sort of trusted these people with yeah. just like, every yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on to something. Yeah, else. let's move on to something a little lighter and not. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what? It's it's important that we talk about it too, though. Yeah, yeah, not, like just ignore stuff like that because if we do, then we're part of the problem. Everybody has yeah. to be willing to talk about it, and make sure that everybody knows about it, acknowledge yeah. that these things happen. And you know, he really has, like you said, he's he's done a lot with his life for how how much of a challenge he had. You know, absolutely. Um, so, uh, lastly. Last but least, I guess is what we're saying. Uh, we from hockey terms, absolutely yes. Yeah, we have uh, Pat Verbeek, who uh, played twenty years, slightly slightly different era than Dino, but like just you know off by a couple years, two years basically. Um, Fifteen of them are quality. He did score over five hundred goals, but he's a minus forty six in fourteen hundred games. Whalers. They do indeed. Oh, the Devils actually. When he was on the Devils, he was mi- minus double digits almost every season. He was on the Devils. Wow. The Devils Man. were not good in the early eighties. No, they were not. Yeah, they were. Gretzky famously called them the Mickey Mouse French. <laughs> and in fact, it is to Verbeek's credit that he's minus forty-six because guess what he was with the Devils? I don't know. Minus eighty-three. 
What? In 463 games. Man. So the fact that he managed to get it up to minus 46 is actually, like, I think, a testament to his his, uh, his prowess as a whaler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say more when he was on Dallas and, and Detroit. Uh, uh, but, yes. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, we didn't have ice time or enough ice time, really, for the other guys to mention it because Dino yeah. only played one year with ice time and it was 13 minutes, and Fleury only played uh, two years, no, four years with ice time. Yeah. So, actually, it helps Fleury's case because he, even though he only played four years tracking ice time, he was still over 20 minutes a game, which oh, yeah, show. he was a first line player until he retired, yeah, yeah. Whereas Verbeek, uh, it tracked for the last uh three years of his career and he's 14 minutes a game, so he was clearly not a first line player anymore, yeah. But to be oh. fair, he was also on some pretty stacked teams, like he was, that is very true. He was like, he was like that you could be a first liner on an expansion team, but instead you're going to play on our third line and it's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was ring hunting. I mean, he was, yeah. cause he was a free agent yep. uh, on both Dallas and Detroit. So he was, uh, I mean, not there's anything wrong with that, but he was. No. That's what he was hey man. And no, nobody craps on Ray Bork for doing it. The guy got traded out of the place he played for 18 years. And then all of a sudden, Oh, there's my cup. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, and nobody says anything bad about that, so I don't think you can crap on Verbeek for. No, no, I, I mean, and this is a normal thing nowadays, right? I, just, oh, yeah. I think in the late '90s it was probably slightly less normal, but yeah, well, nowadays well, Hosa broke the bank on that one. I don't think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Verbeek was drafted in 1982, 43rd <laughs> overall. But despite being drafted 43rd overall, he is essentially a top five player in the draft second in goals fifth in assists fourth in points very nice uh the draft is uh the andrew check and scott stevens draft oh the doug gilmore draft oh boy okay we got we got uh, a few all the famers in there yeah. yeah but like we should note that like as is often the case with these 80s drafts not necessarily in the first <laughs> few yes. spots yeah the best player in the in the top uh three spots is Brian Bellows, who is games-wise way down the list in terms of games yeah. played. Um, over, first overall was uh, Gord Kluzak, who managed 299 games played. The first Hall of Famer was fifth, and that's Scott Stevens. So they didn't, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are years like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, Verbeek is, like I said, he's second in goals behind Anerchuk. He's um, fifth in assists behind everybody you would guess, Gilmore, Housley, Stevens, Anerchuk. In terms of points, he's uh, behind Gilmore, Anerchuk, and Housley, and just ahead of Brian Bellows. Um, but yeah, he's minus a whole bunch, so he's way down near the bottom in terms of the minuses. Yeah. Um, not anywhere near the last, though. There's a bunch of guys with triple digits in the minuses. Did you know that Ray Ferraro was minus 104 for his career? I think I knew that in the back of my head. Oh, Brian Bellows was minus 120. Man. I didn't realize. That's terrible. Um, that's Whalers and North Stars. Like, they both yeah. play for terrible teams. <laughs> yeah, when we talk about Brian Bellows, that'll be interesting. Because that's a triple digit minus. is scary. Yes, it is. It's pretty bad. But um, the teams were pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Also, if it, I mean, and I know I try not to bring up penalty minutes, but it's also he's first in penalty minutes for the wow. game. So, little ball of hate. 
<laughs> right? That was wasn't that his nickname? Prince Pat Verbeek. Somebody, yeah, somebody called him that. I think. Um, so, uh, so seventeen players played at least twelve hundred fifty games between eighty-two and two thousand two, and among those, Verbeek is fourth in goals, which is pretty great. Uh, but fourteenth in assists and eleventh in points. So, if you go by goal scoring, he's one of the top five players of his era. If you go by points, he's more like top fifty. You are um, correct about the nickname, by the way. Good. That's good to know. Uh, but here, so so his era makes him sound. You know, if you go by goals, his era is very impressive, right? Fourth in goals per game and fourth in goals. But if you go by points, less impressive. But still, like in. Uh, Flurry territory. Yeah. However, his 82 game average is 62 points per 82 games. That's going to sting. Yeah. He played a very long time. Yes. But still, uh, and minus three, by the way. Which, of course, makes sense. Yes. Makes sense. Um, also, his three year peak, 79 points per 82 games. So at some point, I guess you'd be wondering why the hell are we talking about him? Mm-hmm. And because I'm wondering that as I read this, yeah, right? I know, right? Like, and, uh, the thing is, his stats just don't jump out for how how decent of a player a guy like yeah. Pat Verbeek was. Like he was a good player, yeah. But his stats do not jump off the page at all. So, I mean, one thing we'll get to is like uh, his goal scoring, but also there is the fact the 1400 games is a fair amount. Yeah. So, like, he is when we're talking his about longevity about, hurts him. Yeah, but we're also talking about him in part because he's on a bunch of our eligible leaderboards because he played 1,424 games and he scored 522 goals. So yeah. at some point, you get down the list and you get to someone like him. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. His longevity does hurt him because there were years where he was playing and not uh, putting up. You know, what do we say? He played 20 seasons, 15 qualities. So there's a bunch of years at the end there in particular. Yeah. Yeah. It was just uh, it was a third liner on good yeah. teams, but yeah, you're not putting up the numbers you're checking. Yeah. Um, playoff numbers also not super impressive. Sixty-two yeah. points in 117 games, mm. minus 32. Yeah. Now the minus, that's actually mostly the fault of the Rangers and the Devils. There you go. The Rangers is we. The Rangers is weird because that was when the Rangers were post cup and trying to. Uh, yeah, but they weren't good post cup. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they they had that one season and then they, they couldn't keep everybody together because they cost them Brazil. Yeah, but he's like he's only it's only funnily enough, Bill. It's only Hartford where he's a plus player in the playoffs. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, plus two in in twenty games. Incredible. Whereas New York Rangers, minus 16 in 21 games for the New York Rangers. Now, they lost you know, the series, and he was probably back then. That's pre-ice time. He would have been one of their star players, right, I think, in the mid-90s? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Was Nichols still on the team? When was Nichols on the team? Earlier. Gardner, Gardner was gone. Yeah. Messier was still there. I honestly don't know. I probably would have been on the second line, I guess. They, they yeah, they had Kovalev. I don't but when did Kovalev go to the Penguins? I don't remember. I feel like late nineties, like ninety ish. Okay. So I'm gonna look up one of these teams and see where he 
Let's look at the year that he. Yeah, put up he ten, was on the roster. Yeah, ten points in ten games and somehow minus eight. Um, let's see. It looks roughly like oh yeah, Kovalev was there. Yeah, it looks like he was at least by points he was top line. Because Messier, Kovalev, Berbik are the top three forwards in scoring that year. And, and then Nemchinov, Graves, and Nedved. Well. And then Steve Larmer. And then Mark Osborne. Then things drop off. Um, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so he was one of their best players, it looks like. At least in that run. Um. And then, uh, so we adjust for era. Things start looking really bad. Um, 50, 57 points in 82 games. Yeah, it's not good. It's not, it's not helping this case. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we have uh, trades that I didn't write out in our notes. I'm sorry to say. No, I can see that. Uh, Silver and oh. Cardinal, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the second one I didn't, I didn't give the yeah. details for some reason. So, yeah, he was traded um, from uh, New Jersey to Hartford for straight up for Sylvain Turchon, who um, played for a lot less, less than half of the games that, uh, or roughly half of the games that uh, Verbeek did. Um, so, but like comparable uh, career uh, in terms of per game numbers, though obviously not in terms of penalty minutes. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think of that? I mean, we're talking about Verbeek as a French. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Silver was a fairly good player at the time. I'd say, uh, you know, ap apples and oranges maybe, but like, you know, not like, not a terrible trade for either side. Yeah. And then... The, the other trade, which is uh, to New York a year after they won the Cup when they were, I guess, trying to load up for another one, he was traded to the Rangers for just a whole whack of stuff. <laughs> it's quite funny. This Hartford doing, I mean, Hartford trying to get a lot of stuff out of the Rangers, it, I guess, I mean. So the Rangers gave up Glenn Featherstone. I remember him. Michael Stewart, who doesn't have a hockey reference page, that's how good he is. Uh, their first round pick that became uh, Jaguar. Oh, nice. At some point. I don't know when, but like how that got traded. It was in the 95, but I, I mean, I don't know. Was Jaguar drafted by the Rangers or did they get traded to somewhere else? Or the Hartford, I mean. Oh, yeah, he was drafted by Hartford. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then that's not all. Um, also a fourth round pick. Someone we've never heard of. So what is that? Four four assets, trade deadline. Look at the Rangers being crazy. Like, <laughs> I mean, listen. It, that was the beginning of the end. There's nothing wrong. Like, they didn't give up. I mean, yes, they gave up a pick that became a goalie who, who uh, you know. Yeah, but who knows if they would have picked him. Yeah, but uh, beyond that, you know, it's not like they gave up any, like, star players for him, but – no. Still, it's like four assets. And I remember, I remember the least ones uh, trading like four draft picks at the deadline for one player, and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I think it was Phil Housley. Yeah, but if you miss oh, on all, it was Brian Leach. Hit on all of them. Oh boy. Yeah, 
No, but the thing is that that's not the point. You're gonna miss on some, and you're gonna hit on some. The point is you want to have more opportunities, right? I'm aware. I know. I'm a Canucks fan. I know. It's my yeah. yeah. I just like I hate that like stupid like let's trade all our like all our assets for like this guy who is like oh older. How old was Verbeek when this happened? I was thirty. Anyway, um, there's a that's a lot of assets to give up, but I I mean it didn't. It's not disastrous for the Rangers. I mean, they, who knows whether or not they would have picked Shiger. And and Hartford trades Jaguar anyway, so exactly. Um, all right. So uh, the accomplishments are short. Uh, he did score forty goals once. He scored forty goals four times. So there's one reason to talk about him. That's pretty good. That's forty goals four times is a lot, even though it was the eighties. Still fair enough. And and thirty goals eight times. Wow. And the other thing is, uh, what did we say? Verbe- uh, sorry, Verbe- Cicerelli. What was it? He scored 20 goals 14 times, and that put him in like one of only 18 players. Yeah. Well, Verbeek scored 20 goals 13 times, so almost as much. Yeah. So he was consistent. Yeah. You know? But he was never really a star. He was only top 10 in, in one offensive category once, and that's goals per game. Um, and then we have his great teams. He was a uh, top six forward. Never a top three forward on some conference finals, and of course he he won a Stanley Cup as a as a like more of a depth player with the Stars in '99. Um, and then he also uh, he was a role player on some uh, some World Cup and World Championship teams, as well as World Juniors. Yeah, it's interesting that he was a well top six, I guess, so not a role player. It's hard to know because we yeah. I'm just judging it by points and who the hell knows. There's no other information beyond the points they scored in the game that played. So. so actually I was actually the one area where I was like, oh okay, there's something here is that like he was at least occasionally um selected for international play, but those teams didn't like the he did win a world championship in ninety four, um, but he was a role player. Yeah. Um but otherwise, they didn't have as much success as, say, Fleury's teams. Um, and the other thing, you know, is that presumably one of the reasons he was on these teams is just the fact that he was just super annoying. <laughs> yeah, that kind of guy. They needed that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's something you want, even internationally. Even internationally. I mean, I, I'm definite no here. Personally. Yeah, I'm definite no, but it's it's weird because his overall career stats are so high. And when I look at the games he played, I'm just like, oh yeah, of course he had five hundred goals. He played almost fifteen hundred games. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the Hall of Fame, like, really good for really long. Played forever. Um, clearly, we're never hurt. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to like. It's a fine career. Um, he was a good player. I remember his name. I remember what he looked like in his visor. Uh, like, no problem having a guy like that on your team, but yeah. for me, the Hall of Fame has to be like you can do stuff that not very many guys can do. And for me, like Dino and Flurry might sneak in, but I for me, Verbeek doesn't. Um, and it's 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 like he's 
I said this when we we're going to do the comparison. It was like Theo Fleury and Pat Verbeek. I'm like, ah, it's perfect because like Verbeek to me in my head is like the poor man's Theo Fleury. Maybe he was a little more hateful, but he was not as good of a goal scorer. <laughs> so yeah. To yeah. me, that was the difference, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I I think, you know, he comes up because of those that really long career. You know, and you look if you look if you like cover up the games played in the minus and you see 500 goals and 500 assists and a thousand points, you think, Oh, well, pretty good. Or, or if you care about penalty minutes and you see the 2,900 penalty minutes, uh, you probably also think a lot of that, but beyond that, I mean, yeah. I think this wasn't impactful enough. Yeah. Even to even really be on the bubble. I, I'd say of all the players we've talked about, modern players we've talked about, Aside from the defensive defenseman episode, I think he has the clearest. Yeah. No. I would say as we were reading through his stats, I'm like, yeah, that's a solid now. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. In spite of him hitting those career numbers, where you're like, we should probably talk about this guy, then you're like, yeah, but like, just the rate at which he scored is so much lower than other people. And when you look at his 82 game average, I'm just like, nah, it's a solid no. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, n- not not. Not to say anything that he wasn't a good NHLer, but just a Hall of Fame. Like he's not he's not in the top hundred in, in goals per game. Yeah. Despite scoring five hundred goals. Yeah, you can. You yeah. Can. Like it's just that's that's for me that says it all right there. You yeah. know. Like, um yeah, because he's somehow he's thirty seventh all time in goals and not in the top hundred in goals per game. Like what? What? Yeah. <laughs> he played a long time. He did. Yeah, well, it's, I, I think for him it's a career shift. Maybe he could have gone to the Lightning and just kept padding his stats, but he wanted to win his cup. So there's something to be said for that. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just yeah, I don't want to crap on the guy too much. He's a really useful, fan, like at times, fantastic player. But just I, I think the the old the numbers the numbers speak pretty loudly when you look at the averages. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so do we need to go over the other two again, or are we? I, I, I think we're, we're pretty confirmed as uh, yeah. Dino with the precedent set. Yeah. Theo maybe even slightly above Dino, so a yes. And then uh, at Verbeek, a solid new. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Lots of controversy, as always. Yes, as always, yes. We've, we've talked each other into it. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so that's it for the 2010 Hall of Fame class, because there was one yeah. guy. So we will be moving on to the 2009 class in the next episode, which includes Steve Eiserman and uh, I think Brian Leach, and I can't remember who else off the top of my head. Pretty awesome players, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah we're going to have lots of debate about those ones, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Solid, solid class coming out for 2009. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that, and uh, we hope you will tune in for that, and we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time. Take care.